Hi guys, welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. We hope you are feeling nice and festive as we approach Christmas. With me today, I have former PSL winner, the funniest man on this podcast. I'm not talking about funny looking, I'm talking about humorous. The legend that is Courtney Fries. Courtney, thank you for joining me on the pod today. Zane, lovely to speak to you again. You know it's my favorite time of year. The weather for me is perfect. I love it the way it is. I know that great you as well. Um, Depends where you live. If you're living living in Durban, the weather's great. If you're living in the Northern Hemisphere, Uh, it's a little cold. But today, we have a very special guest by the name of uh, Liam Jordan joining us on the show. You know Liam, Liam's dad really well. Do you want to give Liam the big sell before we get to the interview? Well, we're very lucky to have Liam on our show today. A youngster who has played in on three different continents, being selected as one of the one of the youngest ever for the Bafana national team. Uh, now currently playing in Denmark um, at, at, at a club called Hoibika. I hope I got the name right. <laughs> even even, uh, even though you told us three or four times. <laughs> And then also went through the academy at clubs like Sporting Lisbon and Wits University. Uh, we're very lucky to have Liam on also. And he comes from very good stock. His, dad, his late dad, Kieran Jordan, a fantastic athlete. We actually used to call him Forrest Gump. Uh, you wouldn't believe that, Zane. Because he was such a hardworking runner uh, as a striker. Uh, and um, we're just lucky to have Liam on today. Absolutely. And Liam spoke so honestly, so articulately. I mean, even though he's a young player, he speaks with the maturity that belies his age. Uh, You're going to want to hear about what his development is currently like in Denmark, how he feels he's ready to get that call up to the Bafana team. And we also find out a little bit about some of the social issues that football uh, footballers are now using their platforms to influence on. And Courtney, you and I certainly loved how the interview wound out as he listed some of his favorite foods. I think we might as well do another podcast on that. I think we could do a podcast on just Johnny's in Durban <laughs> and the well, food that that place provides. Uh, <laughs> well, you, there's no better time to get the podcast going. So um, for everyone out there, here's our conversation with Liam Jordan. Take a listen. I guarantee you'll find the next uh, couple of minutes really enjoyable. Right, guys, on the whistle time, and today we have a young gun who is on fire in the cold, cold part of the world of Denmark. Liam Jordan, welcome to the show. How are you doing, son? I'm good, Sam. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Cool. I tend to hog the mic, but you know what? I'm going to be nice this time. I'm going to tear it up to Courtney. He plays in defense. I play poorly in attack. So we'll let the defenders go first on this one. <laughs> Good afternoon, Zane. Lovely to see you again. Liam, thank you for making the time to come on and talk to us. Uh, it's a real pleasure for us to have you on. Uh, coming back to your current club, help us with the name, Liam. I always battle with the name of your current club. I'm not going to lie. I was hoping not to pronounce it on the podcast. <laughs> you've got you got, you got to help us here, Liam. Yeah, you've got to help us. Close from Durban and Maritzburg, yeah. Yeah, Hobiku, uh, HB. Uh, is hobby, and then ku the o the, with the with the line in the middle is actually pronounced uh, u. Uh, oh, so, it's, so it's like ku, and you don't really say the g. I love how these millennials make things sound so easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. hobby cool. Courtney can't even pronounce it. <laughs> hobby cool. <laughs> uh, that, so so let's look at your current club. What is your role in your current club? Uh, on the fields. Yeah, um, that's that changes every week. Actually, uh, I've been told I'm a, I'm a versatile player, and I'm really getting to the experience that now. Uh, but the coach, he, we spoke uh, when he when he came to the club in January. He likes me as a false nine, um, and he thinks that I am good at dropping off the line, getting the ball turning in spaces where some other players find it difficult to play in. He says that I'm very comfortable in spaces where. Um, we need, you know, a good touch, or we need uh, a next, uh, a quicker thought. Um, so he likes me as a false nine, but I've been, I was, 
two games ago, I was playing right back for the last 20 minutes. Um, I was playing number eight the last game as well. He dropped me into the eight position to do a bit more up and down box to box role. So right now my, my role is mixed and I enjoy that um, because I'm learning a lot. But he, he, he says I'm a number 10 and I agree with him. I think Courtney, I'm a number 10. That's my mm. position and that's the role that he does uh, use me in the most right now. Yeah. If, if I could come in uh, really quickly, but believe it or not, Liam, I'm not going to start with a question for you. I mean, okay, okay. Uh, Liam, your dad, Karen, was an amazing player in South Africa. He won the Premier Soccer League uh, with Manning Rangers. That team, for those out there who might not know, did Leicester City before Leicester City did Leicester City in the Premier League. These guys were the original 5,000 to 1. You could probably put them as the 50,000 to 1 odds of winning. Um, Courtney, you played with Karen. Give give us an idea of what Karen was like as a player and as a man. As a player, it was just hard working, hard running, effort, dynamite, almost a mule type shot on him. I'm telling you, one of the hardest kickers of the ball I, I knew. Um, but his game was based on effort, hard work, very good effort. Also, tremendous ability to hit as well. Hidden wasn't very tall but uh, had a good spring on him and was good with his head. Why he fitted into that team was because uh, the coach at the time, who was Gordon Ingerson, everybody starts talking about this pressing now. And he came up with the idea of pressing from the front very early on. And Kieran fitted like a glove into that team, into that team, into that system. Pressing from the front, putting defenders under pressure, creating traps so that we collect the ball back very well. Um, and that was him. And then besides everything else, he was just a goal scorer, just scored multiple, multiple goals. And off the field as a personality, what was he like? Off the field, he was just a, a, a fantastic guy to be around. Good energy, friendly person, um, just a very nice guy and very accepting. You know, uh, I remember us going somewhere um one evening to watch football i'm talking sunday league football uh and just enjoyed it uh he, he was just an, a a fun guy to be around and as i said to you and liam earlier i was um his roommate for very many years we used to room together um and also very respectful liam does that match with, with your memories of your dad definitely um, I think uh, one thing my dad never shied away from was being himself around anyone. So the stories I could uh, tell you as his son is the same stories I think you could tell him as his roommate or as his friend or as his teammate. Uh, my father didn't change uh, who he was for anyone. Um, and credit to him, yeah, it's a lot of the stories are consistent. I'm not hearing that person has a different experience, that person has another experience. Who is my father? Um, no, I, I, I can't agree more. And I would have loved to have been a bit older now, spending time with him as well to see how we would have bonded. Because I feel like also growing into my own man now, becoming my own person, uh, how we would have also, you know, clicked as well. But um, that's just, I've been blessed with the 13 years I had with him and I have uh, fond memories, memories of, of my father, of course. So it's good to hear that through your experience, Courtney. Mm. And Liam, what would you say was the greatest lesson you remember learning from your dad? It could be on the field, it could be on life, it could be anything really. Um, yeah, many things stand out, but for me, when I've been asked that question before and my answer doesn't change, um, saying he used to say, you know, Liam, I don't mind if you don't want to be a football player, it doesn't matter what you want to do, um, but whatever you do, you know, if it's, uh, he used to use this example, if it's a street sweeper or if it's a job that is, is low, whatever you do, be good at that. Be the best street sweeper um, that you possibly could be. And that just means, you know, like making sure everything is, yeah, you, you can kind of uh, understand what he's trying to say by that. He, my father liked things being done properly. Uh, he liked efficiency, but he just liked things being done properly. He always used to tell me, Liam, don't do something if you're going to do it half-hearted. Do it with everything. You know, do it with your whole heart. Do, um, finish the job properly. Make sure it's done. Make sure it's done properly the way it's meant to be done. And then you can put your hands up and say, okay, uh, I've done all I, I can do. Um, understanding now how Courtney was speaking about him, that's probably how he lived his life too. Um, but other things, actually, the work efforts, but also other things. 
Zane. Uh, my father in New Zealand, he was a real estate agent. He worked for other companies besides football as well. So I always remember that he was so good at whatever he did. He was so uh, present in everything that he did. And it's inspiring, it's inspiring to have that um, example still re uh, reigning uh, very true in my, in my today life. Uh, and, and to call him my father as well, but also to look up to him as an idol, as a man, is uh, very, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Liam, you, you, you obviously speak so, so fondly about your dad and, and, you know, perfect, beautiful tribute from you and, and, and Courtney. I'm intrigued by your own identity. You're South African. You've lived in New Zealand. You've now lived abroad um, in, in a couple of different countries. How would you define your identity? Where, where, where do you, how, how would you define yourself? Interesting question. Um, I've been on that journey now for, I would say, many years because, yeah, I felt like a foreigner in South Africa. I felt like more of a Kiwi when I moved back. But in New Zealand, uh, with the accents, and, and, and I felt like a foreigner in New Zealand. So I always, I don't think I struggled with it, but I always felt a bit out of place um, to set that foundation that you, that's a, that's a great question. Um, me, I found my identity in, first it was football, as, as Karen Jordan's son, a lot of his friends, uh, you know, Liam, Karen's son, I'd find my identity in that as a young boy, right? Um, but growing up, especially leaving home and moving to Portugal, I didn't have dad there. I didn't have anyone there. I didn't have actually people I knew in Portugal. It's almost like I had a fresh opportunity to now define who I am. Um, and in that, um, my faith grew because I, I am a believer. I have faith. And now I, I confidently and positively find my identity in Christ, uh, in my belief in Jesus. And that's, um, yeah, for me, something that uh, everything in my life has led up to that um, testimony or that, 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 what can I say, just, just saying that out loud and being proud, um, but also just uh, having comfort in that as well, personally, to, to say that's my identity now. And from there, just whoever I am to whoever meets me in the future, or if that makes sense. I think that's a beautiful philosophical answer that probably belies your age, Liam. I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think identity is such an interesting thing. I would, if you ask me um, where my yeah. identity is, I would say I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus first. That, that's where I start. Uh, and then father and then South African and, and whatever else storyteller might fall in. But I was intrigued that you said when you moved to um, South Africa, it was almost like, you were a foreigner. You were like living, um, you felt like a foreigner. Were you overtly made to feel that by people, by teammates, or was it that you just felt? Nobody said anything. It was so unconscious. You just felt like you didn't belong. Um, no, I can't point out any individuals um, in particular or any, any group of people because I moved back to South Africa um, in 2014 and moved straight into the Wits Academy, actually, there by uh, Starrock, I think it's Starrock Park. Um, and that was interesting because I got thrown into just a mosh pit of different characters, South African boys, young boys, older boys, um, boys from Durban, boys from Cape Town, and just this whole kind of, yeah, it was like a mixed soup, you know? And, uh, and then you put this, this Kiwi boy or the South African born Kiwi boy in the middle of that coming with his Nike bags, coming with my, you know, I was actually sponsored at the time because I got uh, MVP of Nike Cup in New Zealand. And I just felt very posh in a sense. Doesn't it, you know what I mean? I felt very posh. I felt very bougie compared to the other players only because, you know, he's that foreign boy. And Vitz at that time didn't sign many, many foreigners that age. Like that was new kind of. So it was fantastic because I got humbled very quickly, very quickly in the sense where South African boys aren't afraid to speak their mind like Kiwi boys aren't. So I would, if I was a little bit arrogant, so if I thought I was a bit better than the next player, Liam, who are you? You know, we don't care who you are, actually. You come here, you conform to us. That We have a way of doing things. You know, as South Africans, we unite. We don't push each other away, whatever. It was very, very uh, humbling. And I learned quickly where my place was. It was not at the top. It was actually at the bottom, and I had to work my way to the top um, of that uh, group of, of boys and group of players. And so it's still very fresh, but I, after the first couple of months, man, they saw what I could do on the field. 
Uh, they saw that I am good at this game, that I'm not just here on merits of an agent or merits on of my father's name, but that Liam can also prove that he's good enough to be there himself. And then from there, relationships started to open up. Um, I started to connect with a lot of the boys on a deeper level uh, emotionally, because when you're living away from home, you've got to have those conversations sometimes um, to, to get each other through. And and then it, yeah, but it was uh, it was at the beginning. I, I felt like a foreigner mainly just because of the different cultural clash, you know, that openness, that 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 um, they're very expressive. South Africans are very uh, extroverts, expressive. Yeah. Could, could you, know? you give us an example of one of those instances where they said something to you that was either funny or now you or, or like cut you down to size or just just give us an anecdote and, and an experience of being in that 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 mosh pit that you were in. Yeah, um, it was definitely the nights where, you know, there'd be a training in the evening and all the boys would have in the change room. And we would gather around the living room and sing. Uh, we would sing songs, old uh, Zulu songs, or old songs of, of uh, you know, um, I didn't know what they were, actually, I still don't. But uh, I learned in the national team as well. But they would put me in the middle. <laughs> like, a, almost like a sacrifice, but almost like, Let's put him there because we want him to break off this kind of shyness. We want, and I don't know if it was a mutual thing or if it was just a couple of the, the leaders that put me there. But I was probably red. I was probably sweating. I probably looked so awkward. But that was one of the ways I knew I'm back home, first of all. And they can see that I'm, I'm not from, you know, home. Now, if they had put me there, my friend, I would absolutely relish the opportunity to go and show them I've grown. I don't take myself that seriously anymore. Um, and, and I actually love my, my culture. I love where I'm from, and I, I can express it in my own way as well. And let me try and show you that I've learned some things over the years, you know? Um, so, yeah, that was the, one of the first ways, was the singing in the living room at Star Rock Park uh, on, a, on a Tuesday night. Just <laughs> Courtney's going to come in next with a question, but yeah. Courtney, on our podcast, without question... If we had a karaoke competition, Liam, he'd win it. Hands down. The songs that he sings. With that accent. Great voice. I'll send you a clip. I'll send you a clip of some um, some Earth, Wind and Fire, if I'm correct. It is. Okay. Oh, wow. Courtney knows it well. So, a fantastic group, that. Now, um... Courtney also speaks Zulu fluently. So I was wondering if you could maybe drop some bars, Liam, of, of what you would have sung when you were in the in the Bitvest Vits Academy? <laughs> um, no, one of the easiest songs was Ayoba, I think. Ayoba, 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 Ayoba. I know, no, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no. How do you want to see us together? Yes, exactly. And I would always go quiet on the other parts, and then Ayoba. I'm always hoping that one part. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's for me, my, that was the songs we used to sing. And, and that one was my favorite, easiest. Yeah. That type of music is to bring rhythm, unity. Uh, that type of music is to create a feeling. Well, you know, the All Blacks do the haka. Yeah. yeah. South Africans, we sing. 100%. And so, I would choose South Africa, sorry, the haka, but hey, I would choose my, my country's music over over the hockey yeah to be honest the feeling is different now liam talking about the country you got called up in 2017 into the national team for a for a teenager at the time that must have been everyone wants that's a footballer wants to play for their national team how was that for you it was uh man my, my father was in my mind a lot during that time um representing my national team was something we used to speak about uh as, as uh, um, he used to speak to me about that when he would play uh made his debut as well so he was in my mind a lot so it was an emotional time courtney um mm. it was it was uh how do i fully realize what i'm doing and, and make the most of this but not be too emotional and still know that i still have to be present i still kind of have to do my job on the field. So it was, a, it was a privilege. It was an honor, but it was really personal. It was really personal. It meant something so deep to me. I don't think anyone in that time would have understood if I had spoken to them about it. Um, 
like you said, it's every young run player in South Africa's dream, right, to to make their debut for the national team or to even be considered to be good enough to be called up. I knew all these things were 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 blessings. Um, but for me, it was very personal. It meant so much to me because of my story with my father. Um, yeah. In 2017, I had been in Portugal for like a year and a bit before that. Um, I didn't. I remember thinking to myself, Liam, you could have done more. Uh, I, if you ask me after every game, I'll probably tell you that answer, Courtney, because I'm very, <laughs> I, you know, I, I always want to, to have done a little bit better. That's just my, how I put a lot of pressure on myself sometimes. But um, I remember being shy in that, in that tournament. I re remember being very shy in 2017. Like, I didn't want to do, make, do anything wrong. I didn't want to make any, mis any mistakes because I knew it was not, uh, I was one of the youngest players there. And because of that, I felt like, okay, if I, if I do everything right, then I might be called up again. If I do everything right, then they can, um, you know, like, yeah. You know, you always want to do the right thing as a football player. But I remember that put so much pressure on me. So I didn't want to express myself. I didn't take the run. I didn't take the ball and just try something. Um, so I remember feeling like I could have done more after that tournament. But, um, but yeah, um, I was also growing as a football player from playing in New Zealand and South Africa and then learning so much in a year and a half in Portugal and Europe. I tried to also apply a lot of that. Um, coming back home and saying, yes, I've grown in this way. I can still play with my teammates. I can still play with my, with my national uh, teammates. But I'm also, I, I was thinking a little bit different because I'd been in a different environment for the last year and a half. So, of course, I'm playing with different players who play at a, the ball at a certain time, play one, two touch instead of holding onto the ball and, and dribbling. There was a big culture in sporting of getting the ball and passing straight away um, to, uh, to, to get other players in better positions. Um, so, it, yeah, it was all just learning, learning, learning at that point and making mistakes and learning. You played football in, on three different continents. Yeah. Uh, now you're in Europe, you are a bit more settled at your club. What is the, the main differences that you have found? Um, yeah, three different continents, three totally different uh, ways of playing football. Um, energy. For me, the difference between South Africa, New Zealand, and Europe is energy. One of them. South Africans play football. Africans, in general, the country plays with a lot more energy, right? Physical energy. You're taking runs that normally in Europe or New Zealand they don't even think of making because of energy, right? And that raw physical, um, yeah, uh, uh, talent and and ability that Africans have. Um, and South Africans also have that uh, energy on the ball too, which makes us a little bit, you know, unique. Um, New Zealand was very tactical, slower tempo, slower pace, um, very nice boys, very uh, wrapped in cotton wool sort of players. So I noticed that some that would come to South Africa, some that would come to New Zealand, uh, to Europe, me being one wrapped in cotton wool, having to experience in South Africa first before Europe, um, very safe kind of playing. You know, two-touch, he has space, he can play the ball. No one's getting onto your ankles, no one's pushing you, no one's uh, pinching you on the sideline when the referee's not looking. A very safe, nice football. South Africa, a little bit different. Guys are coming into challenges. They don't care who you are. They're trying to prove something. They're trying to make their name great. Um, and technical, man. They, if they have to expose you on the field like you can't defend, they will do it every single time until they show you, hey, we're going to make you look a bit stupid here. Um, you know, um, they, they like to make players look a little bit foolish and to show, listen, this is about skill, this is about talent, this is about me ex expressing myself and, and making football almost like this art, like very expressive um, South African players. Uh, and then Europe, on the other hand, again, like I don't, when I, when I talk about Europe, yes, I've been playing here, but I think a lot of the world can see for themselves, it's just a structure, it's, it's the structure, it's the tactics. It's um, knowing when to play, how to play it, what type of ball, what types of runs to make. Why am I making this run when my player is in that position? Why should I drop? Why? You know what I mean? Like, why should I play the ball at this speed if he's got a defender on that side behind him? It's not close. Um, all these things. Specifically in Denmark, uh, it's very different to, to both New Zealand and South Africa for me. And even Portugal is the physical um, presence they have off the ball. Um, you know, they really like 
yeah, in Denmark, they really expect you to, to hit shoulders, to jump up for every challenge. You can't let the ball go past you without chasing the guy. It's just very physical here in this league, um, which is different, I think, to South Africa. They, like the, they don't really get close to you as much. It's kind of like everything's played in, in the space. Like if you get close to a South African player, you know? And also New Zealand, like, you don't want to get hurt. But in Denmark, you have to feel the guy. Yeah. Liam, you made your debut as a 16-year-old in South Africa. Incredible sport, professional football at that age. You were selected as a teenager for Bafana. Um, but since making your debut in 2017, you've not been a regular for the national team. Mm. Do you think you've become a little bit of the forgotten man of, of South African football? Um, no, not really. Um, every opportunity I had to play with the national team, for me, was always not a surprise, but I, I never expected anything, <laughs> to be honest. So now, like, because I've had the experience at, at the national team, I think to myself, well, if I never had any expectations, then, yeah, I was either good enough or they were just trying something. Um, football is like, it's, it's a business, yes. Yeah, players have up and down points in their career. Um, I can't think, put, put on the spot why I haven't been with the national team every single time. Or, But for me, I know that the league I'm playing in right now, the team I'm with, it's not the biggest status compared to a sports or compared to other teams. Uh, I've been playing consistently, but players in the national team who are playing in better leagues, different leagues, uh, more experience, um, you know, I can't, there's, there's so many reasons. For me, I've got to focus on myself. Um, I don't feel like the forgotten man because I know that when I'm back, um, there's going to be, what can I say, like, oh, well, why was he ever not involved? Because then I, if the opportunity comes again, when the opportunity comes again, I feel like in this season right now, it's kind of cool that I'm not being seen, man. It's kind of cool that I'm not being um, noticed right now because I have an opportunity to grind and to kind of work on myself in secret. And then the proof will always show when the next opportunity comes. And I believe it will come. And I just believe right now I just have to be ready um, as Liam and ready physically, mentally, whatever it takes. And... Um, and, and that's it. So, no, I don't feel like the forgotten man because I didn't even think I was the man to begin with. Right? Yeah. Honestly, you speak with such maturity and clarity. I wish I spoke like that as a teenager, Courtney. I couldn't string words together. Um, well, the beautiful thing is, is just like, as you said, Liam, your chance is going to come again. Because you believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, and when the opportunity presents itself then you go ahead and display what you're capable of. Absolutely. And, and, and Liam, you say you've been developing in secret. What part of your game that you feel has developed that, you know, Molefe and Seke might not have seen, Bafana fans might not have seen, people at the Budvest Wits Academy that um, sadly no longer exists um, would, not be, would not have seen. What, what part of your game has been developing since you've been out of the spotlight? I was always told from a youth player that my work rate was not high enough, um, that my defensive work rate and my work rate off the ball needed to be higher. And I always used to hear, but not listen. I always think, ah, oh, okay, that's just your opinion. Coming to Denmark, I really learned. Um, my work rate has improved a lot since I've been in Denmark. Um, I'm covering a lot more distance than I, than I ever have in my career. Um, down, coming down towards our own goal, going towards the op opponent's goal. And that's just allowed me, yes, to have a bigger engine, but to also have an effect on bigger in other areas of the field, not just around the box or in attacking spaces where I'm comfortable, but it's allowed me to have an effect in areas where, you know, the team needs that particular tackle or that team needs that particular burst of energy that I do have, but never could show all the time because I just wasn't working hard enough and moving to other sides of the field and affecting the game. Um, outside of my comfort zone. So that's one area, is my, my work rate. Um, constantly, ever since day one, I remember Gavin uh, at Vitz was always just so... He, I used to, he used to watch me shoot before training and shoot after training. And I know some also some that, why are you just shooting all the time? Like, you're just shooting, shooting, shooting. I still do that because, yes, I enjoy shooting, but it's an area of my game where if you're good at that, 
um, why not work on it to make it as perfect as you can? You know, like, um, so that's something I'm also constantly working at, getting better at, is my shooting both feet, different areas of the field. Um, sometimes I'm played as a winger, so I'm working a lot on coming in off the wings with both feet and finishing far post or finishing near post if, um, if the goalkeeper's not expecting that, you know. Um, I'm still working on my shooting, uh, Zane, four or five times out of the week, just working on my body, working on my mobility, working on the longevity of my muscles, um, especially in this winter. It's so cold here. It's so important to look after yourself physically, uh, eating the right foods, drinking the water. You know how it is. Um, because I do want to, I do want a, a career that doesn't get stopped short because of any physical problem. It's I want to be able to have the, 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 the opportunity to choose, yes, it's time to stop now, not because of something external. Um, and, and I'm just looking after myself in that sense as well. So staying ready is not just on the field. Staying ready is also mental off the field. Keeping yourself fresh, almost kind of staying young in your in your thinking as well, because that keeps you healthy. Um, but I would say my work rate, Zane, would be my number one. What I've improved in Denmark is my work rate, uh, defensively and attacking wise. Just getting into the box, getting up the line, down the line, in the midfield, winning the balls. If I don't win the first one, can I win the third one, fourth one? That's been uh, drilled into me here at this club. And one final question from me, Liam, before we let Courtney back in. Maybe we shouldn't let him back in. Maybe it's just me and you today. But um, <laughs> I was sorry, sorry say... Courtney. <laughs> I, I didn't say that thing. Yeah, say that. He, he can't stop me, mate. Courtney, he can't stop me. He can't stop me. Can't stop me. He can't. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, Liam, um, if Molef and Serke picks up the phone and says, we need you to play for Bafana. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, I am ready. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm, 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 social media is a wonderful thing. You get to see uh, what other people are doing, and it's just great. <laughs> but um, I would be ready. Um, I've grown a lot, man, uh, as a player, as a person, um, as a footballer as well, in this, in this time in Denmark. And um, I am ready. I'm hungry to to show yes what i've improved on but also to to just do the job you know when when you're ready and you're like i am now i feel ready you want you want to prove it you want an opportunity to show and to take that chance so yeah i, I would be ready of course if um if i was uh, able to have that opportunity um uh, in any even with uh, with david as well um, you know, it's any, any opportunity to, to, to be present, to be an inspiration, but to show what I can do, I'm ready for. Definitely, I would never shy away from, from an opportunity now. Just coming back in there, Liam, you, you know you've got, uh, still sticking with the national team, there's, there's a few guys ahead of you at the moment, um, regulars in the team, Percy Tao, Grobler, King and Donnelly, Lewil Hang Manyanya. What do you think you have to do in terms of getting back into that team? Do you think maybe moving back to South Africa or are you thinking the right place? What do you think is going to be your next step in terms of getting back into that team? Um, right now, I'm trusting my process. Um, I'm trusting that I am in the right place for now and that uh, next year, I have a year left, six months left on my contract from January. Um, and whatever happens after that six months or in that six months again is what I'm showing on the field but I'm just trusting my process I had this conversation with a person in a couple of months ago and they were asking almost the same thing what are you going to do and you know when I try and make my own plans I mess up but I, I have this confidence this kind of hope that um, yeah in the next six months up until my contract ends I am going to show what I can do, if, whether it's in this team or whether I've continued my career in Denmark. But I'm just trusting the process that if I'm doing my job at my club, which is all I can affect right now, the opportunity and as the coaches and whoever's in South Africa that picks the teams and is um, looking at the players, what they can do, that they're watching me. Then, and I'm not thinking about that, but I'm working hard and preparing for, for that time. And that's, that's all. Um, yeah, that's all. Let's just stay. Uh, so you've got six months left on your contract. Your agent must be either in negoti negotiations with the club to see if potentially you could be staying or look 
elsewhere. Uh, what is his thoughts or her thoughts on potential moves? It's interesting because um, I'm a free agent. Um, I'm not working with anyone in particular. That is a decision I personally uh, yeah, took, took for myself. I didn't want any external... Yeah, you know, that was... It's, it's something that I, I have made peace with because sometimes at this point of your career, people... But surely you need someone to represent you. I get asked that almost every month, you know, even by teammates. Do you not have anyone to represent? Right now, man, like, I feel like I have a fresh, clean opportunity to work with whoever I trust, whoever I feel is good for my career, my energy in this season heading forward. But it also offers me not to rely anymore on the credibility of someone else, but on my own. And to trust in my faith that where I'm meant to be destined and heading towards, I will get there if I'm doing all that I can do, right? Um, because I have been that player. I have been that person who felt trapped or felt like I was only moving around based on someone else's credibility because of the context they had, because of the, the power they had. And it made me feel less of Liam. And uh, that's why I took a decision to... to, to to focus on myself, to, to, to put myself first. And that's why I'm a free agent today. And then heading forward, um, yeah, I'm in touch with people all the time. I like people. I like talking. I like socializing. I don't hide myself from anyone. Uh, I'm trying not to. And I trust that, yes, in the next six months, I'll be able to have conversations with anyone um, about the future of my career. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. I think we're, we're winding down the interview. So just a few more left, Liam. Um, just from my perspective, I mean, if we take a step back and we look at football this season, social justice issues have been a very big theme. Um, we've seen players get behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we've even seen um, in the United States with the women's soccer team, um, players like Megan Rapinoe and Alex Morgan ramping up the pressure and the fight for equal pay um, mm. and equal treatment uh, and, and gender equality. Um, I was just wondering, you're a, a young player coming through. Um, do you think Monday athletes, Monday football players mm. are just naturally more socially conscious than the generation before? And, and, and what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's important to understand that we're not just football players, that we're people. Um, and we, because we are on the TV sometimes and we play in stadiums sometimes does not mean that I'm, I'm going home to a different planet. I live on Earth. We all are from Earth. We're all human. Um, so I'm seeing the same news that you're seeing. Um, I have this same sort of pain when I see suffering that, that you know, you might have when you see suffering. Um, we human, right? I think as football players, we do have uh, the opportunity to have a sort of status or a um yeah you know a platform that that puts us in the limelight and if you are not aware self-aware of yourself as the person uh, of the field then it's going to be very difficult for you to fully maximize the platform that what you're doing on the field is affording you to have um so Again, to answer, I completely agree. Yes, that's true. We do. Uh, we are afforded a very um, big opportunity to be able to speak on these things, to be able to have an influence on the world and even our communities on these things. But um, that just doesn't mean that it's always the right influence. You know what I mean? That's like a bigger question. Like, what do you believe in or what do you want to change? And do you want to see the change um, first before you even, even have the, the status or the platform? You know what I mean? Because the platform or status, I, I believe you don't choose, but you can choose what you want to change if you or when you get it. Yeah. Are, are there any social issues that you're passionate about? It could be race. It could be the environment. Um, it could be your, your faith and belief system. Is there, is there anything that you, you um, really want to use your platform to, to magnify and use as a megaphone? Yeah. Recently, that's a good question. Um, yeah, there's... There's so much to go on that's, sorry, that's going on in the world. Um, you could be, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Yes, uh, you can kind of switch every week on something new. Me, um, man, I've been, I've been watching kids. Like, I've been looking at children. Um, I know it's not normally a social issue or anything like that, right? It's like children. But, like, next generation, 
is something that is always in my mind using my life, using my platform if I'm afforded to have a big enough one one day to prepare or to enable the next generation with the weapons or with the, with the wisdom that I acquired from everything I've learned through coming through this life. Um, that's not something I'm very passionate about is, is getting to those people or getting to those children or getting to the next generation who can actually do something. I can do something now, but if I can't change everything right now, I want to just affect that next person who I know has the opportunity who can. Um, but yes, this, with this Black Lives Matter movement, um, not so much in Denmark, actually. Like, yes, we had some rallies. Um, there was some, even some of my friends attended some of those things. But these are issues that, like, I have African friends here. We've spoken. We've had conversations. We've opened that topic and said, how do you feel? Um, you know, I, I have connect groups every week with people from church. And that just allows us to speak about these things, these matters that normally football players don't speak to each other about. You know, it's turning up for training and going home. So I personally think that, yes, the injustice of even, like, there's a lot of migration in Europe. There's a lot of these things. There's so much we can speak about. But for me, like... I'm really focused on, um, yeah, enabling or giving the next generation something to to hear, something to listen to, so that they can go, okay, well, before that, before um, I maybe make a mistake. If I see that, because it's been happening, maybe I can change that. You know, maybe I can I can affect that this future. I'm my future before they kind of, yeah, you know what I mean. That's yeah, the next generation is something I'm focused on. Yeah. Younger kids. Yeah, that, that's such a mature answer by uh, by yourself, Liam. Um, our our aim is always to leave a a, con a, a leg a positive legacy. Yeah. In whatever we do, and and that's so uh, refreshing to hear uh, how you see things. Um, and something I'm sure your dad would be very proud to hear that mature head on your shoulders and you. and what you think of not only yourself, but for the younger generation out there. Thank you. Now, as Zane said, we're starting to wind down our interview. You've been gracious with your time. Thank you so much. But as we said earlier, you've lived in three continents. What have been your favorite dishes that you enjoy in Denmark, in Portugal, in South Africa? Now, you must think some people that listen to our podcast, I mean, oh, well, I want to go to Denmark. Uh, so I, I have Liam talk about ABC. What is your favorite dishes? Let's throw in New Zealand there too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yes. I'll, I'll start in New Zealand, man, because I mean that was my earliest memories. I think of yeah dishes like eating, right? We're talking about food. Yeah. Of course. I was waiting for this question. My goodness, why last? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> food, right? It's a good thing. Um, New Zealand was like fish and chips, man. It was like a Friday evening going to the beach. Uh, fish and chops, fish and chops, fish and chops. It's fish and chops, mate. It's fish and chops. And it was, you know, newspaper wrapped in newspaper. A bit, uh, you know, when you open the newspaper, you put the sauce on the side of the newspaper. Just rustic, just super, um, you know, fresh fish. Obviously, it's a it's a Pacific uh, island, actually, New Zealand. It's kind of like an island. So it was just very fresh, fresh. The fish was fantastic there. Um, so my my favorite thing was fish and chips from New Zealand. Um, which is number one, right? I think I'd, it's a city or it's a country of sheep, so their lamb is not bad as well. They have great <laughs> lamb, I guess. And maybe it's not, yeah, it's true, right? It's a national animal or whatever, kiwi, but they eat lamb there as well. Uh, that was good. Their lamb dishes are great. But um, And then moving to South Africa, that was cool. You get your meats. Your, your, the, I think it's not just meats. It's the way we cook the meats. Hey, we, we push the limit of not making it burnt, but... <laughs> <laughs> the meat but somehow like it looks burnt but it tastes perfect so for me it was the Buddha voice yes it was the you know the steaks and the ribs all that stuff putting on the braai um, of course like a, a that's the poikis you know a good poiki but coming from Durban as well being born in Durban a bunny chow hey I miss my bunny chows you need to break down what what is a bunny chow and what is a poiki uh, okay. Poikis, I just, my uncle made me my first poiki. It's like a small pot of just like everything. So if you find old beans in the cupboard, somehow the poiki will make it taste better. Um, 
but no, it's like a it's like a soup, right? So it's like it's a soup sort of, and you can have it with spice, and it's just like a pot full of just yeah bo boiled meat. Help me with this. I don't. Well, uh, a poiki is actually more accurate. It's a stew, it's a stew um, and normally normally made with um, an ox tail. That's yes. the meat. Lots okay. of vegetables put in. And um, now and again, you can also, to create the flavor, you can mix Coke and red wine in it. Gives it a very Fantastic. distinct flavor as well, yes. Fantastic. So, sorry, we asked the wrong person here about the poiki. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you got to tell us about the bunny chow now. Come on, actually, for the listeners. Poiki. Actually, it's oxtail. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then the bunny chow is obviously now nah, I know this one, Courtney. If you don't mind, can I say this? One? You take uh, it. You take it, player. It's either it's a full or like a half. So it's like a loaf of bread. You cut in half. You take the the middle out. You can keep that. Obviously, always keep that. Please, people, keep the inside. It's top for the sauce at the end. And then uh, you just fill it with like a curry or something like that. Um, you, my my favorite is always mutton. You know, my mum can cook a top mutton mutton bunny. Um, and then you can have your carrots, you know, your carrot salad as well on top. That's important too, because that obviously evens out the, the sting. Because when, <laughs> when it's stinging and then you know, the, the carrots, they come in hand with the onions there and the whatever. Yeah, it's top. I'm well, about to go cook right now out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to run us through Denmark and Portugal. Yeah, you got to take us. You got two more countries oh, to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, gee, I was finished after that one. Um, Portugal, again, is a very, it's around water, right? But, like, they're very particular. Their olive oil is fantastic. They have rice dishes with um, uh, bacalhau. Bacalhau is like this dish, uh, I don't know if you know those little, like, chips. They're, like, thin, small chips. You can get them in, like, a lot, like a big bag. And they're kind of, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. So they chuck those in um, with, like, fish, like steamed fish. They strip the fish. And then they put that all in with like potatoes and it's like this kind of very homey dish of just like uh, fish, potatoes, and then that, that, that chips. And then they kind of just like put that in the oven and, and, and cook that together and it makes this really nice, like, it's, it's different. I've never had anything like that, but that's called bacalhau. Um, and then their fish, on, on Alcachet, it is one of the closest cities to Montijo, which is where Sporting Academy is. They, they down the middle, open the fish and they just put it on the grill. With um, you know, with your salads, your tomatoes, lettuce salad, um, your breads. They love their breads and olive oil. They love that very like European, very um, yeah. I guess what is it like the Spain and the Portugal, very Mediterranean style, you know, uh, olives, all that stuff. Very healthy, mm -hmm. uh, but the fish was fantastic. So fresh, so well cooked, uh, so tasty. And then Denmark is. Yeah, it's usually they say save the best for last, but um, Denmark is is it, it's nice. There's sausages. It's it's Europe. It's Germany. To Germany, you've got your sausages. Um, Pulsohorn. They call it here Pulsohorn, which is like this this fried uh, bread, and you put the sausage with the bread, and you kind of fry that together. So it's like cooked together, and it just makes this dish. And like the sausages are kind of hanging out the sides of the bread, and it's. Just, uh, their culture here and they, and they they do that with like some sauce mayo and and ketchup and they have good steaks here as well actually their steak is really good they're good meat uh in denmark too they have a lot of pride in their meat the vikings you know with their meat and warm food um and to finish they have something called and this is tough to say but it's called small pull small pull and pull is bread and it's small is like i don't even know what that means but um, they put like these small slices of bread with like, with little pastries um, stuff on it, like tuna, tomatoes, like half cut tomatoes, very cute stuff. Yeah, you can search it. Like, maybe we can put it in the in the uh, uh, link or whatever the uh, description, the recipes. <laughs> <laughs> we might need another podcast actually for this. Honestly, I, I, we've, it's almost like a cooking show. <laughs> We're talking food. I'm telling you, next guest, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Get him on. I, yeah, let, him, I, let him talk about food around the world. I, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm now, I'm list for a bunny and a poiki. I don't know why. <laughs> you, talk, bunny. you talk bunny chows, you know, Zane, in Sydney, Johnny's I'm telling bunny you. chow. Hey. Oh, goodness gracious me. Hey. And then after it hits, uh, what is it, Zach's? 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Many a night before then, I stopped off outside Johnny's uh, to buy our bunnies there. <laughs> Many a night. And then we used to eat on the on the bonnet of the car. <laughs> Is there any other way to <laughs> eat yeah, on the bonnet of the car? I tell you. For those who don't know Johnny's rotis, as we wrap up this, this this interview, it's a takeaway in Durban, South Africa. It's got cult-like status, and why you love it is that when you go there two, three in the morning, you will have a variety of people there. You will have athletes like Courtney and uh, Liam Blade, Dad, Kieran Jordan. You'll have people coming from nightclubs. You'll have people finishing their night shifts at hospitals, and it's this melting pot of everyone in the city getting a good meal for good value of money, and also great conversation with the most random diverse group you can find fantastic best way to put it Zay. best way to put time. it just like our podcast uh, liam thank you for joining us it's been thank a pleasure so to have you again on the whistle for those listeners out there please if you've come this far leave a rating leave a review comment on youtube comment on um, whichever audio platform you're listening to and get us up on our social media otw underscore podcast that's on the twitters and on instagram and of course, find our Facebook group, which is On The Whistle Podcast. Come join the banter. Come join the discussion. Come find African football's number one podcast and the Spirit Cup winner, Courtney Fries. We'd love to hear to you guys soon. Liam, thank you again. Courtney. Thanks a lot, Liam. It's wonderful to have spoken to you again. Uh, we must stay in touch. And you gotta promise us a return interview, Liam. When you, if you move, if you yeah. move yeah. again to another club, you 100%. got to promise us a return interview. Always here, Courtney. Thank you so much. Cheers. Guys, it was so fun. Thank you.